Praise the Lord. Let's find our seats. Let's get ready to start life class this morning. Sunday school is dismissed. Sunday school is back and um, parents with kids of Sunday school ages, I want to remind you of the importance of Sunday school, children's ministry. Amen. So make sure you bring your kids along. You got grandkids, bring your grandkids. You got great grandkids, bring your great grandkids too, although you might be a little old by that stage, who knows. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) And it's good to be back in God's house this morning. Can you all hear me okay? Is this loud enough? Yeah? Praise the Lord. Okay. It's good to be back in God's house, and I give my thanks to Reverend Bano and Sister Wendy for taking care of things while I was away sick. And um, out of the senior leadership I think 66% of the senior leadership team was down with COVID over the last weekend, amen. Reverend, Reverend Powell and Sister Linda, of course, were off as well, and I was off, we were all off sick, and we got the football, and we just chucked it to Brother Stan and said, run, brother, <laughs> amen, <laughs> amen, amen, we appreciate the body of Christ, amen, and that's really what it's about. It's about the fact that this is not any one person's church, this is our church. And we work together, amen, to minister and to grow and to learn and to become more like Jesus. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue this morning with our life class that we started two weeks ago. Um, We started a new series two weeks ago um, called Being Faithful to the Truth. And uh, by a bit of a, as a bit of a reminder, because we've been away for a couple of weeks now, um, two weeks ago was our first lesson, and we spoke about the fact that we must be faithful, amen? We spoke about the fact that we are all called to a ministry of reconciliation. Every single part of the body has a ministry. It might not be a ministry where you are in front of people with a microphone, you might not be a musician, you might not be an usher, but every part of the body is essential and has a ministry, amen. There is no ministry that is more important than another ministry, amen. They're, they are the same, it's a, it's a body, just like your foot is not more important than your hand or vice versa. They both just do different parts. If you lost either one of them, it would be just as bad for the body, amen. And we spoke about how underlying everything is that we Um, are called to be an ambassador and a minister of reconciliation. We want people to be reconciled to God. Amen. The other thing we spoke about a couple weeks ago was that we have to provide a pattern. Amen. People are not going to see Jesus walking on the streets, but what they will see is they will see our lives. Amen. And our family sees our lives and the lives that we live at home. They have to match the same pattern that we display at church, amen, because people are looking at our lives and they need something to be able to build their life on, amen, to pattern their life after, amen. Paul said, be followers of me even as I follow Christ, amen. Another version says, he says, imitate me. What you see me doing, you do as well, amen. Paul was showing Timothy a faithful pattern that Timothy could follow, amen, and 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 that's what discipleship is really all about. Amen. That's what discipleship is about. 
you know, we create a pattern, we show a pattern in our life for the people who are following us to copy and to have their pattern, amen, and then they show their family, amen, and that's, that's how discipleship happens. And so overall, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about how we need to be faithful to our ministry, we need to be faithful to truth, we need to be faithful to the pattern in God's word that we apply to our life, amen, and none of us have an excuse, that was the other thing we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. We don't have an excuse to say, well, you know what, it's okay, I, that doesn't apply to me. You know, I'm kind of special or I've got extenuating circumstances. No, we are all required to be disciples. We are all required to lay out a good pattern for others to be able to follow. Thankfully, Siri, I'm not talking to you. Praise the Lord. And so we're going to continue on this morning. Still got a little bit of a hangover of a cough. But we will get there. I apologize that we don't have any water this morning as well. Unfortunately, um, I just completely forgot that we were even running out of water. Um, so we don't have any. So but we do have today special time off for free tap water in the kitchen if you would like some tap water. We're not even going to charge you today. What a bonus. <laughs> but that does mean I need to get through this with no water. So we'll see how we go. If you've got your Bibles... <clears throat> Turn with me to 2 Timothy. Give myself a little bit more room up here. We're going to continue on, and today we're going to talk about not being ashamed. Not being ashamed. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Say amen when you're there. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, and then 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, <coughs> verse 8. It says this, it says, Be not thou therefore ashamed. Someone say, not ashamed. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Amen. In Acts chapter 26, we read the story of Paul, who was facing judgment in the court of King Agrippa. Agrippa, in terms of a history lesson, let me tell you who Agrippa was. Agrippa was the great-grandson of Herod the Great. Herod was the one who ordered the massacre of all the newborn baby boys under the age of two following the birth of Jesus. You read about that in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16. Um, Agrippa's father, Herod Agrippa I, he was the one who killed the apostle James with the sword and then arrested the apostle Peter and was planning on doing the same to him. And as Paul stood before King Herod Agrippa II, who is the Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, you could understand that he would have every reason to be afraid of his life, amen. This man that he was testifying in front of came from a line of murderers and people who just killed to get their own way. And the king granted Paul permission to speak in his defense. And so Paul told the story of his background as a strict Pharisee. 
and how he had persecuted the followers of Jesus. He told Agrippa how a light from heaven brighter than the sun met him on the road to Damascus, how he fell to the ground, and how Jesus spoke to him, and how Jesus revealed that he had been called for a purpose to make him a minister and a witness so that people would have the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance with the people of God. Amen. And Paul confessed that it was because of his return to Jerusalem and his attempts to convert both Jews and Gentiles that the Jewish people who he had once sided with now wanted to kill him. But Paul told Agrippa that it was by the help of God that he had continued to witness to people both great and small, amen. Paul told Agrippa that everything that he had said did not agree, it did agree rather, with what the prophets and what Moses had foretold, that in Acts 26 and verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Paul bravely laid his testimony out and he finished it up with a question. He asked the king, he said, do you believe the prophets in Acts 26 and verse 27? But before the king could even answer, Paul answered his own question. He said, I know that you believe. See, Agrippa was an expert in the customs and in the culture of the Jews. The king was actually a practicing Jew, but he had authority from Rome to appoint the high priests. But while he identified as a Jew, he was living a decadent life that included immorality and murder. Amen. And Agrippa was a double-minded man. He answered Paul and he said, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Amen. And so Paul was imprisoned and he was called. Paul was called by Jesus to be a witness and to testify to the one that he had previously persecuted. And before his imprisonment, Paul had worked tirelessly. He had traveled throughout all of Asia Minor. He had shared the good news about Jesus Christ. He had testified that he had not been called to be an apostle by man. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, Jesus Christ called me to be an apostle. Amen. And throughout the New Testament, we find a record of Paul's faithfulness. He was faithful. He was so faithful. He never gave up. 2 Thessalonians records his response to the extensive persecution that he suffered for the gospel's sake. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 2, it says, Even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Amen. Paul and his co-laborers in the gospel had suffered insults and suffered rough mistreatment. But in spite of all of that opposition that they received at Philippi, God gave them boldness to turn around and go to Thessalonica and do the exact same thing again. Amen. The Bible tells us that they labored and they travailed night and day for the believers that were in Thessalonica, and they diligently preached the gospel to them. Amen. Paul for those of you who may not be aware, was a man of passion and steadfast commitment. He was a man whose once his mind was made up, that was it. He was going to passionately pursue whatever course God had for his life. Amen. And, and after his conversion, he was even more zealous on his missions than before. Amen. And, and I think that comes from a place where Paul knew what it was like to be sincerely wrong. 
And so he spent years preaching and teaching and reaching others with the gospel. And as he did that, as he worked diligently to lead people to Jesus, we know that he endured persecutions and he endured trials that slowed him down and even stopped him altogether in times when he was imprisoned. But yet, throughout all of that, Paul was faithful beyond persecution and beyond imprisonment. Amen. We're talking about the importance of being faithful to the truth. Paul was very happy to have an opportunity to speak to King Agrippa. He didn't just speak to Agrippa, of course. We know that there were other people there as well. Agrippa's brother-in-law, Festus, was there. And there were many other dignitaries and leaders who would come in to hear what this Paul would say about himself. It is apparent from the words that Paul considered his imprisonment a continuation of the ministry that Jesus had called him to. Amen. Prior to his presentation to King Agrippa, Paul had faced an angry mob in Jerusalem, and that is what had led to his initial arrest. And at that time, he had confidently stood before Festus and others and shared his testimony and shared his witness, but his situation did not improve. Instead, he was held captive for two years until he was finally given the opportunity to stand before Agrippa. And I think it's pretty safe to assume that Paul would have been probably both pleased and concerned to be speaking in front of King Agrippa. I think he would have been pleased because he would have had the chance to have his case heard by a high official who was familiar with Jewish customs. But beyond that, I think he was pleased because he was able to fulfill what God had called him to do. God had called him to be a chosen vessel to bear his name before Gentiles kings and the children of Israel. And so Paul would have been remembering this. Hang on. This is my ministry. God called me to speak to kings. And here I am in front of a king and I'm able to preach the gospel to him. Amen. But I imagine he would have also been concerned that he would have been in captivity or perhaps even killed. Amen. For what he stood for and for what he believed. And so because of this, Paul spoke without shame of the supernatural and the prophetic acts of God. Now, it only stands to reason that Paul would have known of Agrippa's background. He would have known that Agrippa came from a family line of royal murderers, but the apostle also knew that nothing else was going to reach Agrippa's hearts. You know, elsewhere in Scripture, Paul clearly confessed his dependence on the supernatural demonstration of God. He said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul understood that any earthly wisdom that he had, any knowledge that he could try and apply to this, was not what was going to impact Agrippa's heart. It was not what was going to change his mind. But he needed to have the supernatural. There was no message that he could craft that would somehow convince them to either let him go or to turn and convert and be baptized. Amen. He knew that he needed the supernatural. He needed God to show up. Amen. And so because of this, Paul was not ashamed of his testimony. He was not ashamed of the supernatural. He was not ashamed of the gospel, the verse that we read. 
Paul writing to Timothy. He said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul invited all believers to join him in taking our share of suffering for the sake of the gospel. You and I should not be ashamed of the message of the cross, amen, especially the time that we live in today and and this day of all days, the Easter day as we celebrate what Jesus did for us, amen. We should not be ashamed to speak for the Lord. We should not be ashamed of the suffering that others have endured for the gospel, but as a church, as believers, we need to embrace our call from God and use the power that He has given us to be His witnesses. And as a result, accept any suffering that might come along the way for our stand for Him. Amen. If we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, we have been filled with power to be a witness. Amen. Acts 1 and 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Amen. The only reason we have the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. Well, that's not entirely true. It's obviously important for salvation, amen. But once we are saved, it's not just great, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't have to do anything else. It's not a checkbox, amen. But we are called to be a witness, and as a witness, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We cannot be ashamed when we suffer for the gospel, because that is what we are called to do, amen. And if we consider a modern parallel, think about it in terms of a modern parallel, a political trial with the possible execution of a criminal, we would perhaps agree with Festus. You know, Festus turned to Paul and he thought Paul had lost his mind. He said, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning has made you mad. And the truth of the matter is, is if we only look to reason for an answer, fetus, fetus, Festus made a reasonable assessment. How could it be sane for a person to be humiliated and disgraced to a public whipping and then an execution as a savior? To then turn around and say, well, no, hang on, that person who you executed then rose from a grave three days later. He was once dead, but now he's alive. If you're looking at that with just reason, it's just crazy. It doesn't make sense. And then to think that that person would then open up the door of salvation to the very people who had killed him. This is why Festus looked at this and went, you're crazy, Paul. And it doesn't make any sense from the natural mind, amen. And we're going to talk a little bit about that when I preach later on today. But the cross is shameful, but it is also glorious because it is only because of the cross and because of the blood of Jesus that we have access to God. And Paul, who was a highly educated man, was not ashamed and he was not embarrassed to share our testimony of the gospel. Paul, who was highly educated, who had everything going for him, everything put together, amen, and he took turns around and says, I am nothing without Jesus Christ. I am the chief sinner, amen, and I needed the cross just like everybody else needs the cross, amen. He was not ashamed to associate himself with Jesus. He was not ashamed to associate himself with the cross, amen. And you and I should not be ashamed 
or embarrassed to share our testimony or to share the gospel as well. You see, this is the underlying point that I want you to take away from this. As Paul encouraged Timothy, we cannot be ashamed of our testimony or the gospel that we stand for. And it takes so many different forms in our life, doesn't it? That shame that we feel sometimes. People ask us, what did you do on Sunday? Oh, yeah, not much. Why are we ashamed to say, oh, I went to church. I listened to the word being preached. It was amazing. It changed my life. Do you want your life changed as well? That's not being ashamed. It's being bold to proclaim the gospel, amen. But it's so easy to do, amen. Another way we show that we are ashamed of the gospel is when we don't live our lives that show the gospel is impacting our lives. When we allow the things of this world to creep in because we don't want to be too much like Jesus. We just want enough of Jesus that we make it to heaven and we're okay. But we don't want too much of Jesus in our life. Hello? We're then ashamed of the gospel. See, you can't have the Messiah without the cross. You can't have salvation without Calvary, amen. You kind of got to have them both. And we cannot be ashamed of that. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel, amen. And I think the reason that sometimes we are ashamed is because we don't have confidence in the gospel. Let that think rattle around in your mind a little bit. Could it be that we don't have confidence in the gospel? You know, we struggle with life sometimes. We make mistakes. We let God down. It happens. Amen. And we look at our lives and we wonder, how could the gospel apply to me when I failed God so badly? But that's what the gospel is for. Amen. That's what the cross was for. It was to pay the price for your sins so you can be reconciled to God. Amen. And so we can be confident in the gospel and confidence in the gospel message and faith in Jesus to save us should make us as a believer willing to share our testimony and share the gospel even in the face of possible persecution. When we get ridiculed for what we believe in, we should count that as joy. Well, hey, they know I believe in something. They know I stand for something. They can ridicule all my what they want, but that does not change the power of the gospel to impact my life. Amen? Amen. And here's the other thing. You know, if, if a Christian is not willing to confess Jesus before others, why would Jesus acknowledge that person in heaven? That's what the Bible tells us. Matthew chapter 10. Why don't we turn there? This is an important scripture. Matthew chapter 10. And verse 32. Say amen when you're there. 
Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Amen. That's a pretty sobering scripture. Amen. That really makes you want to wake up and pay attention, doesn't it? Because it's, hang on. If I don't confess Jesus Christ down here, he's not going to confess me up there. And by confess, we don't mean, oh, Jesus is now my Savior. We mean telling people, hey, you need to be saved. You need to be in church. You need to know Jesus. Jesus has a plan for your life. Jesus died on a cross for your sins. Jesus wants to see you saved. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what it means, amen. And so we need to confess Jesus before others, amen? And here's the other thing. If we should not be ashamed of God, and God is not ashamed of us, amen? As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16 tells us, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. God is openly enthusiastic about you being His, amen? And he's preparing a city for us. We are blessed to be a part of this household of faith because we don't live for what's down here. And that's why we don't worry about the shame that the gospel brings or being ashamed to share the gospel because we recognize we're not down here. This is not our home. This is not where we stop or finish, amen. But we have something coming before, coming ahead of us, amen. We have a life to come. And that's what we are looking forward to, amen. Not only as Christians do we not only belong to God, but we also belong to each other. Amen. We should never be ashamed to claim other true believers as members of the family of God. Jesus accepts us. He accepts every person and He makes them holy. Amen. Every born-again believer belongs to the same family. Amen. God is not ashamed to call us His brothers and sisters, and we should embrace each other like family as well. Amen. And so as Paul ministered, he was not deterred by the response of the people. You see, not, not every person who heard Paul preach was converted. Paul almost, in air quotes, almost persuaded Agrippa. The king was convicted and perhaps even convinced, but he was not willing to let go of his power in the region and over the Jews. But Paul still gave us a great example of an unashamed witness. See, I think that's the other thing that holds us back sometimes. We look at someone and we say, well, you know, they've got their life figured out. They don't need Jesus. They're not going to want to come to church. You know, they've got everything worked out. They've got a good job, they've got a good house, they've got a good car, they don't need Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to share anything with them because they're not going to be interested. Can I tell you, every single man, woman, boy and girl on God's green earth requires the gospel. Everybody needs to know Jesus. Everybody needs to have a Savior. It doesn't matter how good their life looks. Inside, without Jesus, they are empty. Amen. And it is our job to bring the gospel to these people. And Paul could have looked at Agrippa and gone, man, he's a powerful king. He's got the finest food, the finest house, the finest clothes. He does not need God. But he did. 
He desperately needed God, and so Paul presented the gospel. Brothers and sisters, it is not our job to decide who gets the gospel and who doesn't get the gospel. Our job is to not be ashamed of the gospel, to share the gospel to everybody we can because everybody is hungry, everybody is hurting, everybody needs to hear the name Jesus, amen. Everybody needs to know who Jesus is and what Jesus did for their life. Amen. Paul stood in chains before a court that was filled with nobility and with leaders. And he had the audacity to say, you ought to be like me. You need to lay aside your robes. You need to lay aside your glory. You need to follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. It was audacious, but it was true. Amen. And that's what the gospel is. Hallelujah. Although there is no record of the king ever being converted, Paul still presented the gospel. And Paul went on his way to Rome and he continued to preach the kingdom of God. And he continued to teach others about Jesus. And the book of Acts ends, it tells us in Acts chapter 28 and verse 31 that he went preaching and teaching with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Amen. Paul was determined that it didn't matter who came across him. He was going to reach for them with the gospel. He was going to reach with them with the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day for their salvation. Amen. And so we cannot be afraid. We cannot allow fear of rejection. We cannot allow fear of being an outsider. We can't even allow fear of being thought to be a fool to stop us from sharing Jesus with others. Amen. In our previous lesson, <clears throat> two weeks ago, we considered Paul's words to Timothy. Paul told Timothy, let no one despise your youth. And in this lesson, we're looking at shame. Jesus went to the cross with joy, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 verse 2, despising the shame. You know, despising the shame means that he just disregarded it or he counted it lightly. You know what, brothers and sisters? We are going to suffer shame for what we stand for and for what we believe. But for the joy that is set before us, we should endure hardship like good soldiers of the cross. Amen. The same way that we fellowship with Jesus in suffering, however, we will also fellowship with him in glory. Jesus went to the cross with joy for you and for me, and he did it so he could share his glory with you and with me. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach from this a bit later on as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. You and I are to preach Jesus Christ. 
And we are not preaching Jesus Christ just through what we do on Sunday at a pulpit. It is not just the pastor's job to preach Jesus Christ. But every single one of this carrying on from two weeks ago, we all have the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of us is responsible to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ through our life, through our words, through the things that we do, through the attitudes that we display, through the atmosphere that we generate in our home and in our car and in our family events that we have, we have to preach Jesus Christ everywhere we go. And not just Jesus. Not just Jesus is amazing. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is, yes, all those things are true. But we are to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We are to preach the shame of the cross because in the shame of the cross is the glorious deliverance from sin that is promised in the Bible. And that is the only thing that is going to save people's lives. It is the only thing that is going to save people's hearts. Jesus' heart, people's hearts are not going to be saved just because Jesus is going to bless them, although He does. People's hearts are not going to be saved just because Jesus is going to make you feel so good. No, that's not what it's about. Jesus is going to save you because Jesus went to a cross for you, despising the shame, hallelujah, for the joy that was set before Him. And so we might want to try and push the cross out of the way when we're sharing the gospel, but the cross is central to the gospel. The cross is the reason we even have a gospel. Amen. And we need to not be ashamed to share that gospel. Amen. It might seem absurd. It might seem contradictory, but it has proved to be true. The paradox of shame is that the shaming of Jesus through his public humiliation and crucifixion frees humanity from the shame of sin. And that is the truth of the matter. One day you are going to have shame. You can choose to have shame down here because you are sharing the gospel. Or you can choose to have shame on the other side when your sins are called out. And God says, you did this and you did this. You're not holy. You're not righteous. Oh, the shame of that. To stand before a holy God and know that you're not holy. Our job as Christians is to help people make the decision now. No, you need to serve Jesus now. Yes, there's a cross. And yes, it's shameful. And yes, it's messy. But if we confess Him now, He will confess us before His Father. And if we deny Him now, He will deny us before His Father. Meanwhile, the world will often shame those who share the message of true freedom. But what causes shaming in this life frees us from shame in the next. This is why Paul wrote, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. As a matter of fact, the more that Paul preached, the more he was shamed, the more he was persecuted, the more that he was imprisoned, but he never gave up. He never gave up. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, he records this. He says, in far more labors, in far more imprisons, imprisonments, sorry, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. 
I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. And yet throughout all of this, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. You would think, Paul, just give up. You are copying so much punishment for your stand for Jesus. Just stop. Just go back. Just don't do it anymore. But Paul still stood and said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, it is likely that you and I will never know the kind of suffering that Paul had to endure. But every single one of us will experience some loss in this world for the faith that we stand for. And I don't know what that will be. Maybe it'll be something from your family. Maybe it'll be some culture thing that you've got to give up and everyone is criticizing you. Why are you going against our family? This is how we've done things in our family for generations. Your father did this and your grandfather did this, but you say, no, I can't because I'm standing for something bigger than just my island culture. Maybe it's going to be you have to give up some sort of work that you can't do anymore. Maybe you have to give up some sort of education. Maybe there's something you're going to have to give up and people are going to shame you for that and they're going to say why why would you turn your back I'm not going to talk to you I'm going to cut you off but the reality is is we enjoy that we sit back and go thank you Jesus for letting me suffer for this gospel for letting me stand for what you gave to me amen our suffering is only for a season and when our time on this earth is finished we will enjoy fellowship with Jesus forever praise your Lord Praise you, Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? And while you're all standing, her name was Willie. Willie Johnson. As an infant, she was the granddaughter of a slave in America. And as a little baby girl, her father completely rejected her. Her father wanted nothing to do with his daughter. As she grew a little older, eventually her mother decided that she didn't even want her daughter around anymore. And we know that the mother sold her daughter, sold her own daughter to be married to some man. That man beat her and abused her. But it was okay because Willie had a little boy and she loved that little boy. But you know what? The boy wasn't even a year old and he died. And she had to bury her little boy. Rejected by her father. Sold by her mother. Beaten by her husband. Burying her only child at less than a year old. She decided, I've had enough, I'm done, I'm finished. And she was walking to a bridge to throw herself off. She was done with life. But on the way, on the way, she heard some music coming from a little Pentecostal church. It wasn't much of a church, it was just small, but they were having a revival. And she walked in and she thought, I'm just going to listen to a little bit of music. And then I'm going to go jump off that bridge. A little bit of music's not going to hurt me, is it? But while she was there, God filled her with the Holy Spirit. And she was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And Sister Willie ran from that auditorium and ran out into the street. She was shouting with joy and worshiping God. And a policeman came and said, what is wrong with you, lady? And she grabbed the policeman and said, I've got Jesus now. I've got Jesus now. She went back home. Her husband had locked her out of the house. She had to sleep on the porch that night. But something had changed in her heart because she was living for something greater than anything on this world could ever offer. That lady, Sister Willie Johnson, she became one of the very first licensed ministers in the UPCI. She was a great evangelist. She traveled everywhere teaching about how Jesus had saved her life and how the gospel had turned her life around on the night when she was going to end it. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Sister Willie laid aside her heritage. She laid aside the fact her father rejected her. She laid aside the fact her mother sold her. She laid aside the fact that her husband beat her. And she went, you know what? I'm living for Jesus because his gospel changed my life. Amen. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just begin to pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, not to be ashamed of the gospel, Lord God. Not to be ashamed of the gospel, Lord God.